You can be seated. So this is the last week of this sermon series that we've called Anchor. It's built all around a single verse in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, which says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. An anchor is an amazing been used by fishermen and sailors for hundreds, if not thousands of The basic concept is a device normally made of metal used to secure a vessel, the bed of a body of water, and to prevent that craft from drifting, wind, is a simple in its design, but it's powerful in its function. You see, as believers, encouraged to remain steadfast, to remain committed in our faith through every trial and every storm that this life may throw at us. You may remember from last week, it's not a matter of if the storms will come. It's a matter of when will the storms come. And when they come, you want to be prepared for them. You want to have a firm grip on the anchor of your soul, which is Jesus. We're going to talk more about maintaining that grip throughout all of our lives. Paul uses words like perseverance, steadfastness, to describe an enduring faith. But there's another word I want to add to that list. It's the word remain. To remain is to stay. In, in our fast-paced, ever-changing culture, it becomes more and more of a rarity to remain. Anchor down for the long haul, whether it be relationships or jobs or, or even zip codes. From one thing to another, we are a culture that constantly is on the move. We become enamored with new shiny things, tired or, or the old one. Whatever the case may be, you guys know I don't like handheld mics. How am I supposed to, ha how am I supposed to hold all this stuff? I got a clicker, I got a handheld mic, I like to, I like to use my arms to talk about stuff. This is, this is challenging. We like new shiny things. We become tired and bored of the old ones. Whatever the case may be, that isn't how faith works. See, God calls us to remain, to hold fast, to root ourselves in faith and in righteousness. His invitation is forever. It's not just for a little while or when we think we might need it. His invitation is forever. See, one of the premises of this series is that the only firm and secure anchor that we have is Jesus. He is the one that will hold firm through any trial and storm in this life. Now, there may be other anchors in our life that we hold on to, money, relationships, jobs, 
prestige. We hold on to them, but we learn to hold on, sometimes for dear life, but all of those other things will fail. But Jesus never fails. He will hold on to the very end, so we have to learn to remain. Which makes me think of John 15, verse 5 through 8. I'm going to give up the clicker. You guys are just going to have to follow me back there. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, this passage, it's important to, for those of us who believe. Jesus actually tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. But what does that mean? What are the ramifications of it all? Is it worth it to gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process? Let me ask this question. What are you holding on to today? It reminds me of a creative way that African Bushmen used to find water. Maybe you've heard this analogy. I think I may have even used it up here one time before. See, when water is scarce, the African Bushmen have found a creative way to find new sources of water. They might not know where the water is, but the local animals do. But you can't just walk up to an animal and ask where the water is, so they have to become a bit more clever. The bushman put a block of salt in a hole, and they wait. Turns out, baboons love salt. And with enough time, one of these animals, one of these baboons will come by, and they will try to grab the block of salt in the hole. And they stick their hand in, but when they grab the salt, their hand is too big to get out of the hole, trapping his hand in the hole to, to escape. All the baboon has to do is to let go of the salt, but they don't do it. They stay stuck until the bushman comes along, grabs them, and puts them into a cage. And one, Once in that cage, the bushman then gives the baboon all the salt that he wants, making the baboon extremely thirsty. Then the, the bushman will release the baboon, and who immediately runs to get water, and quench their thirst and now all the bushman has to do is to follow the baboon and now they both drink to their fill besides being an inventive way to find water normally when people hear this technique for the first time they always wonder why that baboon just doesn't drop the salt why can't it just let go when it realizes that it's stuck and that it's not going to get what it wants. Maybe I'm talking about us here, too. It's, be it's because of our nature. You see, it's not just the baboon that falls for this trap. We do as well. We see something that we want, and we hold on to it, despite the cost 
to ourselves. Material wealth, status, prestige, whatever it may be, there are many things that we hold on to, even though it potentially makes us miserable in the end. Letting go takes courage. Let me say that again. Letting go takes courage. It sounds crazy, but it's true. We don't, why don't we all just let go of the proverbial salt and grab hold of Jesus and hold on to him no matter what? Why don't we do it? See, John 15, 8 reminds us that this is all to the glory of the Father. It brings him glory. It brings him pleasure to care for his creation. See, one of the most amazing things about the love of God for, for his creation is that he loved us first before we could ever reciprocate that love before our relationship with him could be permanently restored he loved us which makes me think of john first john 4 9 and 10 which says this is how god showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, this passage gives us a clear explanation for how God loves us. He sent his son for us. Same thing as when you think about John 3.16, God sent Jesus to sacrifice his life on behalf of all of creation in order to restore that relationship. And with that in mind, I want you to think for just a moment about any relationships in your life where you loved first, before there is any opportunity for that love to be returned. See, if in this relationship your desire was, was for the other person to be healthy, happy, and prospering. See, my point is to say that, that God loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has a room in heaven waiting for you, a proverbial seat at the heavenly banquet table. He formed you and knit you in your mother's womb. He uniquely gifted you with a role to play in this local church. The community of living stones that he is so carefully putting together is a spiritual house. What God is building is church. Not even the very gates of hell could come against it. And all that to say, why would you ever let go of Jesus? Why? Why, why wouldn't you want to remain with him forever and forever? The answer to that question, among other things, is that we are prone to wander. Prone to be distracted by the worldly pleasures and practices. Prone to forget. Prone to get disgruntled. Prone to get frustrated. Maybe because you're holding a handheld mic. <laughs> Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all god warns 
all of us that we will go astray, each to our own way. The sin of selfish pride and independence runs through all of humanity. It's been a thorn in our side from the very beginning. But the remedy, the remedy is Jesus. The antidote is to let go of our independent pride and to grab hold of Jesus. He alone is a firm and secure anchor for our souls. I've told parts of my story before. I was raised in a Christian home where we went to church three days a week. My parents did everything they could to help me build that relationship with Jesus. But I never did. When I went to college, I didn't have parents taking me to church three days a week anymore, and I just stopped going to church. I drifted away, and I didn't have a relationship. Now, I still believed in God, but there's a difference between believing and having a relationship with Jesus. When I went to law school, I still wasn't going to church. I still didn't have that relationship, but then I met Amy. And Amy taught me about a relationship with Jesus, and she introduced me to her family and and to people who had that relationship. I remember going to that small little church out in Moxville where I brought the average age down to about 70, and they loved me. They accepted me. All my flaws and all, they accepted me. They started to use me. They allowed me once every, you know, the fifth Sabbath of every year, you know, of every month, which is only four times a year, they would allow me to get up and preach once in a while. I thought they were crazy when they did that. Why would you want me up there? I remember, I still remember my very first sermon. It's called My Most Important Case, appropriate for an attorney. And it was all about how the fact that I'm guilty, but Jesus defends me, saves me, and acquits me. See, it wasn't until then that I was able to build a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't until then that I was able to let go of all the other things that I was holding on to, all the other things that I thought would make my life happy and secure. It wasn't until I took hold of Jesus that I was able to do that. See, at, all, at some point in time, all of us grow tired of wandering. I grew tired of it. We come to the end of ourselves, and we realize that God was there all along. He was waiting patiently for us to return like the prodigal son returned to his father. God was there. He was waiting. He was watching. He remained faithful and true even when we wandered far away from God. See, his desire is that all of us, every single one of us, would return to him and come to have a saving faith in Jesus. Now, I can't stand up here and pretend to understand how difficult your life may have been and how deep some of those pains might go. Sometimes life has been so hard for so long that that we've learned from past experiences that we can't trust anyone. We've learned to rely on ourselves, our own abilities, and we've learned to live with our own limitations. 
See, if I fail by myself, then I'm the only one to blame. And sometimes that feels like a, like a simpler question than the numerous alternatives and options available. See, I realize that, that asking you this morning to, to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to and to grab hold of Jesus is like asking you to climb Mount Everest with no sleep and no training. It seems impossible. But that's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to invite you to, as we sing this next song, to, to let today be the day. To let go of everything else. To let go of whatever that is and to grab hold of Jesus. Because we need him. Right now, we need Jesus. If today, maybe you've never made this decision before, maybe you've made it a hundred times before, but if today, if you want to let go of everything else and you want to grab hold of Jesus and accept him, then during this song, come forward as we sing, come forward.